The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, mentoring. Again, yes, part two. Stick around. Let's get started. By definition, mentoring involves a more experienced or knowledgeable person transferring their knowledge to someone who is less experienced or knowledgeable, and the reason is it could be personal and or professional development. But in practice, there's a lot more to the term mentoring. Let me give a pop quiz to our listeners. Wherever you are, whatever company, industry, size, maturity, footprint, whatever it is, Do a little looking introspectively. How are you handling mentoring in your organization? Are you encouraging your mentors for just a privileged few? And I'll say this in parentheses so I don't get in trouble. Maybe just the men. I didn't really say it, but you heard me. Or is it for a broader employee population? Maybe even everyone? Woohoo! And are your mentoring practices building a diverse leadership to support your growth? Or are you just cloning stereotypes? In other words, this is who I am. I'm successful. Do as I say. Do as I do. And you'll be fine. There are a lot of options and a lot to lose or gain. Okay. So I have a panel of experts and they're back. The ladies are back uh, from the last time we did this a couple months ago. And I'm delighted to start off the panel with Sherry Ann Meyer. She said for me to call her Sherry. She's at Air Products and Chemicals. And Sherry is a member of the Board of Directors and Executive Exchange for American SAP Users Group, finally known as ASUG. Sherry is quoting Albert Einstein today, and we love this one. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Imagine that, Sherry Meyer. How are you? I'm good, Bonnie. Great great to be back. Thank you for joining me. You've been on the show so many times, I lost track. You've been on with me for a couple of years. We're always delighted to hear your words of wisdom. So, Sherry, you chose an Albert Einstein quote. By the way, he is the most quoted person, living or dead, on all of our radio shows. So there you go. So talk to me. What is the sign of intelligence, not knowledge but imagination? How does that affect or relate to our term of mentoring today? Oh, I think Einstein was a true genius. I think there's a lot to learn from a mentoring perspective, from reading his quotes and and studying the man. But my concern is we've placed a huge emphasis in this country on compliant education, degrees from esteemed universities or scores on standardized tests. But the reality is that we need more than textbook talk to get ahead. If we keep repeating what we've always said and done, we don't really excel as as a country or organization, right? So it's the person who can picture a different way of doing things that propels us ahead. And I'd like to think that mentoring invites us to connect with different people and different thoughts. 
Okay. Sherry, would you say that imagination is what's going to drive mentoring to grow as a concept, to take on new flavors and new avenues and new advantages for companies that it's not just, this is a definition, do it, as I said, in my opening, but it's going to take people to become creative, if you will. What's your thought on that? That is my distinct hope, Bonnie. I really hope that we can step outside of ourselves to realize that there's so much to learn that we never know it all. Um, and that mm-hmm. having that creative attitude is what's going to help us continue to grow as individuals oh. and as organizations. Thank you, Sherry. I know you have a lot to say. This is going to be a very lively discussion. I've looked at the notes you all sent me, and this is going to be a wow. So to our listeners, if you're listening live, and by the way, we are Wednesday, July 9th. Really? Yes. Uh, we're here on the Business Channel. If you know someone who would appreciate or benefit from or just be curious about what my wonderful panel is saying Tell them to find us on the Business Channel. The show will rerun and be available on demand shortly after the live show. Thank you, Sherry. Let's turn to Sarah Cook, also coming back on the show. She's an executive at Great Place to Work. And here's an interesting quote from, I'm going to read this little, uh, I Googled him, Sarah, so I got the full picture. His name is Miles Beresford Kington, K-I-N-G-T-O-N. He was a British journalist at The Independent, also a musician, a broadcaster, and he is credited with the invention of franglais, a fictional language made up of French and English. I don't know if you knew that. And here's the quote. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. I love that. Sarah Cook, welcome back. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad you're enjoying the quote as much as I do. (laughs) I love it. It makes me laugh because I put almost everything in my fruit salad, but never a tomato. So I'm not guilty yet. So Sarah, why did you pick this quote and why is Miles Kington important to us? Yeah, so when we think about mentoring, the beauty of mentoring is it helps us put our knowledge into real-world context. And so often we've learned about processes, we've learned about education, we've learned about how to go out and do our job in the world or or tackle that work-life balance we're trying to have or whatever our focus is. But then when it comes to do it, we just get hung up and we aren't quite figuring it out. And so there is a Chinese proverb that relates to this, which is a single conversation with a wise person is better than 10 years of study. Mm. And I think these two are related. So you could know that something's a fruit, and it would be obvious to you to put it in a fruit salad. But until you talk to someone who's actually made fruit salad before, you don't realize that that isn't actually the path to take. Um, So that's the benefit of mentoring. Sarah, would you repeat that Chinese proverb, please? It's, yeah, it absolutely. seems like that's the crux of what we're what we're taught. That's the core of mentoring. Say it again, please. A single conversation with a wise person is better than ten years of study. Wonderful, and I think the I key there is to isn't that great, Sherry? The key is to pick the right wise person. I think that's the <laughs> that that's the true. core uh, the core of the core. Is that I, I think also often we don't think of ourselves as wise. Maybe it's the first time we've done something, or we're the first person to have a role, or, you know, we're mid-level. We're not the senior executive. And Mm -hmm. in reality, just by having done something, we can share more, and so we shouldn't opt ourselves out. Very good point. That all goes to leadership, and we can blend that into the conversation later on. Okay, and let's turn to our third panelist. Also joining us again, it's Megan Sullivan, Vice President of Global Channel Marketing at SAP. And here's a wonderful quote, one of our favorites from Maya Angelou recently who left us. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel. It almost makes me want to cry as many times as I've heard it. Megan Sullivan, welcome back. How are you today? 
I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me back. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Talk to me now. How does this Angelou quote come to our mentoring conversation today? Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, first of all, she was one of the greatest human beings that ever, you know, walked the planet. And I think that quote and she were all about inspiration. And I think it's just when you have, it goes back to the the Chinese proverb that, that we just talked about, but when you are engaged in a really inspirational conversation and somebody ignites something within you that makes you want to be better and to live more and live fuller and kind of do your best, that feeling will carry over into, you know, days and months and years of, of your work, and you will always remember that inspiration. And those are the people that really matter in your life. And so I just I love how that quote really grabs me and, and reminds me about all the, you know, the great people that I've been fortunate to be mentored by and inspired by that, that uh, allow me to go further in life. Thank you very much. It, it, wonderful. You know, as many times as I hear that, as I said, Megan, it, it always has an impact because – at the core of this mentoring, it's not just about follow my lessons and we're going to do this. This is my lesson plan for today, dear mentee, and we're going to do this. We're going to meet twice a month, and these are your assignments. But it's that sense of how did you impact them as a person. That's really the core of it. Ladies, I'm going to get to the question of the day. I think this is the hardest question of the show. You know what it is. What's in your cup today? Because you're with me again on Coffee Break with Game Changers. So let's circle back to Sherry Meyer. First of all, where are you? What's the weather briefly, and what's in your cup today, Sherry Meyer? Oh, well, I'm in a basement room at work, so I can't see the weather right now, but it's been lovely. Um, What's in my cup right now is actually ice water with a little bit of lemon in it. I drink that throughout the day. Sounds refreshing and energizing, too. A little bit of lemon, that pop. Thank you. Sarah Cook, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup? Oh, well, so this is a beautiful but a little bit steamy day in Manhattan, and I am in the Kimpton Hotel room where I've been staying, and they brought me some lovely chamomile citrus mighty leaf tea, which is mm. keeping me warm while the room is chilled, and I can see outside <laughs> it's very steamy out there. And I'm on Long Island, also New York, and I can tell you it's going to get into the 90s again. And my poor plants on my terrace were just so bent over and so sad when I woke up this morning. (laughs) Two buckets of water. What can I tell you? But not chamomile tea, but I might try that in the water. Maybe they'll like that. Megan Sullivan, where are you and what are you drinking? Well, I'm out in uh, sunny Palo Alto, California, in the heart of the Silicon Valley. And I'm looking out at just a beautiful garden and, and rolling hills of, uh, you know, just gorgeousness ahead of the day. So um, I am, uh, along with Sherry, I'm having a, uh, a glass of water, and I have some cucumber, mint, and lime all uh, soaking in there, infusing it. And it's fabulous. Cucumber, mint, and lime. Is that fresh mint, mint leaves? It is, right out of the garden. Oh, nice. wonderful. I'm growing basil and dill this year, but not mint. I think there's time to still start a little couple of mint plants. Thank you for the inspiration. Guess what? We're going to take a break a little bit early. That means we get a full 30-minute nonstop roundtable. I know my panelists are going to put their seatbelts on because we're going to take a real ride. Our topic today is mentoring done right. Everybody wins part two. We're going to get into the deepness of it. We're going to talk with Sherry Meyer about our Google Movie Mentors and the 50 best 
best movie mentors. Which gender were they? Can you take a guess? We're going to talk with Sarah Cook about the meaning of mentorship versus sponsorship. We're going to get into sponsors, mentors, and coaches, and we're going to be speaking with Megan Sullivan about how to move up and onward in your company. Whatever happened to, and is it still alive and well? I'm talking about the old boys network. Is there a new girls network? We're going to find that out right after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision making in real time no matter where they are SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.graham at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. Welcome back. We're talking about mentoring done right. Everybody wins, but the key is when is it being done right? And if you use your imagination, which comes from our Albert Einstein quote, courtesy of Sherry Meyer today, uh, how can you expand the definition so you can do it right more or even righter? Let's kick off our roundtable with Sherry Meyer. Sherry, let's talk about if you Google movie mentors, what do you find? Can't wait to hear this one. Go ahead, Sherry. Well, you know I drive a lot of inspiration from movies, and my all-time favorite is The Wizard I of know. Oz, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. When Dorothy had mentors, she had the Cowardly Lion, she had the Tin Man and the Scarecrow. They were all guys. So I thought, you know, there must be some movies I've watched that, you know, I've derived inspiration from. So I literally Googled that, and 50 best movie mentors, they're all men, literally. Um, I've seen 30 best movie mentors, 50 best movie mentors. There's never any women represented in that group and i think that's curious and it's a statement to what we're raising our younger generation to see and to be um i'd really like us to to see more strong female leads i remember watching mary tyler moore um show and that girl Mm -hmm. and you know enjoying those kind of shows because they were strong females but even in the shows that we have had we don't really see women being displayed as someone who um can win the top seat, right? 
Very, very interesting. Yes, and it's funny you should mention that. I like a lot of procedural drama shows, and the shows I prefer, I never thought about it, Sherry, they have very strong female leads. The first name in the cast is a female actress in almost every single one, except, of course, NCIS, and I can't get over Mark Harmon yet, so what can I tell you? (laughs) But anyway, yes, and they're strong, they're they're mentors, they're leaders, but that's who I prefer in my TV shows. Interesting. Sarah Cook, thoughts on this, on the fact that historically, at least the way the movies interpret or Hollywood interprets mentorship, it's got to be a man. What do you think, Sarah? Well, I'm not that surprised when I think about it. If you think to our demographics on boards of directors and in CEO roles, it's a similar reflection. So if they're taking their cue from reality, we shouldn't be surprised that that's what we're seeing in movies. I think we would hope that our, um, that our creative world is pushing the boundaries and guiding us to where our future could be. And so I think we should have a call out to the media and to Hollywood to start shifting that expectation and shifting what we see on the screen. It's much easier to change the roles in a movie than it is to change the CEO role in our major corporations. And so that could be leading the way for people to feel like that it's possible for them. Great point. Wonderful point. So we have to look at corporate America, corporate, it's not even corporate America anymore, it's corporate global, it's corporate world, and, and say, hey, well. and government, mm-hmm. let's let's smash that ceiling to bits and let's, let's allow the people who have rightfully attained skills and knowledge and leadership to ascend to where they, where they should be because we need them there. Megan Sullivan, what do you think about all this? I think it's fascinating, you know, very interesting perspective, and, and I'm with you, Bonnie. I, uh, I tend to go for more of the TV shows with the strong female role, and mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up, but those really yeah. are my favorite shows as well. And I think, I think, you know, all across the entertainment industry, whether it be reality TV or movies or whatever, you know, it always seems to be the, the women are the, the weaker of, of the two or they don't show as much as the role model. I think for me, in my, in my life and my reality, is I try and surround myself with really fantastic women. Um, I really enjoy, you know, my women's network that we can go out and kind of talk about different things that's driving the world and how we can change it. But I also try and give the best role model and example that I can to my own two daughters and make sure that they're surrounded by, you know, all of my great friends and, and all of my great staff at work. There, a lot of them are women on my team. And really just trying to infuse in the next generation that they can be whoever they want to be and they can, you know, rule the world if they want. And it's important for me to surround myself and my children and my friends with other, you know, really great successful women as well. Very, very good point. I like the way you brought in family and, and community by, by bigger intention there. Thank you, Megan. Sherry, I'm not done with you yet. I usually <laughs> skip to the next person, but that was kind of a teaser. I know you're a big movie fan, and I remember when you first started being a guest on Coffee Break with Game Changers and our other shows. I think you were on a couple of other series with me. You always talked about The Wizard of Oz, so I'm glad you brought that up. Let's get into mentoring, and then we'll roll through everybody's points. You say two perhaps diametrically opposed viewpoints on mentoring – and then you say in America. Tell us what those different viewpoints are. Let's get down to definitions here. Go ahead, Sherry. Okay. So I think that it seems to me that mentoring has always implied, at least in my mind, that you have a mentor who tells you the right way, the quote, in quotes, right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And my experience has been that, you know, typically people tell you how to fit into the mold. Is that good or is that bad? Because it's absolutely essential to mentor others in order to build a diverse group of leaders, right? 
but if we're mentoring to make everybody conform to the same standards or what has gone before or what the top leaders are doing now, then we're missing that diversity point. So I think every single person in our workforce today, my belief is they have to come prepared to lead in order for us to succeed. I don't care what level person you are. I think every person has to come in with that sense of responsibility, and that means we need to be mentoring from the ground up. Absolutely. An interesting point on that, Cherry. When you hire someone, do you tell them you expect them to be a leader, even if they're being hired for a a ground level, I'll say that politely, ground level, entry level position or mid-level, and they don't aspire to be a leader. They don't want to run a team. They don't want to put together all those management reports, yawn every week or every month or every year. They just want to do their job. Do they have to be a leader too, Sherry? I think it's about having the freedom to take action, um, to be empowered, uh, to use an older term. I like that. I think it's about coming into the workplace and, and knowing that, you don't have to do just what everybody else tells you, that you can question things or you can ask things. I think questioning curiosity is fundamental, actually, to the mentoring approach. If you're going to have a mentoring or a sponsorship relationship mm-hmm. with someone, the way you can make the most use of it is being curious and asking a lot of questions. Thank you. Sarah Cook, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm curious to know, to paraphrase Sherry, what are you thinking about what Sherry just shared with us? <laughs> yeah, I have some Interesting thought. So, Sherry, thanks for that. I, I love that you brought up this concept of everyone is a leader. Um, I, I, in some of my previous employment opportunities, I led teams where people actually got very offended because those organizations only referred to people managers as leaders. And they took it quite personally because they understood that they had very influential roles uh, not only as peers, but also influencing upward and influencing downward. And it was a huge shift in language for us to start saying everyone is a leader in your scope, in the world that you influence, you are a leader. So I think it's really important that what you bring up there. And also the, what you were bringing up around are we, uh, when we're mentoring, eliminating differences of perspective and differences of personality. Those are the things that bring innovation. Those are the things that bring um, evolution into the projects that we're doing. Um, So that's a really important point, and I just got a big echo, so I'm going to stop talking and let you go on to the next person while I try to fix it. You actually sound fine. You you faded for just a split second, and you sound fine now, Sarah. Uh, Megan Sullivan, thoughts on this? about And, and talk about uh, the leadership aspect of this. And I'm going to introduce a new word, and, and Megan, you can start talking about this. Cloning. Our mentors thinking right. they have to clone themselves to be a successful mentor. Megan, what are your thoughts? So Yeah, I've got a couple thoughts on this, and I think it's a, a great topic. I do think that, you know, some people that are new to mentoring may come in and just kind of pitch the party line, and, and they think, well, this is how I have to do it because this is what my company guidelines are saying or whatever, and I, th- I agree it's a complete disaster to do that. I find the best employees and the best leaders in companies are ones that feel like they can really be themselves and that they can lead and they can do their work from the passion that is deep within them and that they can do it with integrity of who they are and what they stand for, you know, in life and at work. And that's really where true innovation and creativity comes out is when you really allow people to fly but to be themselves while they do it. And I've seen so many times in my career, I am guilty of doing it um, in my younger days, where 
I see this great woman, and so I try and be exactly like her because I want to be her when I grow up. And I found Mm -hmm. that that was absolutely the wrong way to do it because I sacrificed my integrity and who I was as a person, and it just didn't work. And I found when I really became you know, aligned with my goals and my values and who I wanted to be and, and allow my own personality to shine within that, that's when I really started kind of flying at work. And so when I mentor people as well, as I always really tell them, you know, lead with your integrity, lead with who you are, find the passion that really, you know, when you wake up every morning, what do you love to do? And then create a job and a role and, you know, that, that surrounds yourself within those guidelines and boundaries. Very interesting. Uh, let me bring up a, a question for you, Megan, and then we'll circle back. When you say create a job with your passion, create a role, how open are corporations today, well, we'll say big organizations, that's more PC, to having people say, this is what I really want to do, boss. This is the job I really want to have. Here's the job description. It's not what you hired me for, but this is where I think I can give the most, make the biggest contribution to the organization and support the organization's growth. How many companies are really open to that kind of, yes, forward motion? Uh, Megan, thoughts? Yeah, what I, what I think is that you, obviously every company is different, and you have to be under a manager or a leader that allows some of that flexibility. Thank but you. I do find the organizations that move ahead the most are the ones that allow employees some of that flexibility to do that. I mean, of course they need to do the job they're hired for, and, and to your mm-hmm. point, you've got to get out the weekly status report or the spreadsheet or, or what, what yeah. have you. But, you know, I always tell people, and I try and do the same thing, is, is look beyond your job. Look beyond the boundaries of what your job description is. How can you make your organization, your company, your industry a better place? Go forward with those ideas to your leaders or to your mentors, for that matter. Pitch the idea. Do it as a side job. And eventually, if you're creating a lot of value and moving it forward, that could become your job in the future. So I think you need to create value and add value outside your job scope, but you need to do it in the context of making your company and your group a better place. Thank you. A lot of words to the wise in there, Megan. I appreciate that. Sherry and Sarah, any thoughts on what Megan just said before we move ahead? I would love Mm -hmm. to jump in on both of those topics. Please. Um, On the first one around cloning, this idea of making a clone of myself, I think that's really the easy way out. And so mm-hmm. we have mentors that go through a maturation cycle, just like the employees trying to be mentored, is trying to grow in their development. And in the beginning, many mentors don't find the easiest path is just to tell people what they've done. And as they get more mature as mentors, they start to be able to act more as a coach and to see the employee or the mentee as the person they're developing and they have their own path and their own way of doing things and to bring out the the beautiful things about that person so that they can really shine. So there's a maturation cycle there. And I would say to someone who has gotten into a mentoring relationship with someone who's only able to give advice from their perspective or their experience, Mm -hmm. they may want to look for another mentor. Um, There may be value in that relationship, but another one will complement them better. Um, and the other one was the topic that Megan and you were just discussing around creating your own position on your natural skills and strengths. Yes. And you asked, is that a real thing? <laughs> is that really possible? Mm-hmm. And, and I want to share that in my experience it is. At every company I've ever worked for in my entire career, I've done just that. And it's completely possible, and it ties back to the conversation that we started last time we were here together around sponsors and proving your worth gaining an advocate 
and having someone who helps to create opportunity, provide cover, and create visibility for you so that you can create and improve why that's valuable to the company. Sarah, you just segued into where I was going to go in one of your talking points, so thank you for making it very easy for me. Uh, let's talk about mentorship versus sponsorship, or maybe not versus, maybe, and <clears throat> you mentioned in your notes to me, Sarah, sponsorships are more formal and require the use of political capital. So since you brought it up, how how is it different from a mentorship? Do you ask for a sponsor? Do they come out of the woodwork? Is it like a fairy godmother or father who just says, hello, I'm here to bless you and walk you through life, but you don't know who I am, and it's all going to happen like magic, and you will be better for it. How do we know who our sponsors are, and do we go looking for them? Sarah? So I believe that some can come up a little bit like fairy godmothers, people that have seen you in the distance, have followed your work, and have admired you and, and prefer to stay at a distance and may advocate for you without you knowing it. Those are not going to be ones you'll be able to leverage as aggressively um, or build in the way that you want to. So a person should be actively seeking sponsorship. Now, you don't just walk into someone you don't know and say, will you be my sponsor? <laughs> you definitely could do that for mentoring. That's one of the ways that they're different. You could say, hey, I'm really interested in understanding your work or I've taken a new job that requires skill sets that you have, you have experienced. Could you mentor me a few hours a month or something like that? That you could do with very little knowledge of each other. Sponsorship, though, you want to identify a pairing, someone who is aspirational to you and start to build trust. And through building trust, you don't need to tell them, I'm building trust so you'll be my sponsor. In fact, I think that would feel a little uncomfortable. But start to build trust, prove your capability, and then start having dialogues about where you want to go and how you can help each other. And, of course, the best relationships are two-way streets. Exactly. Another good good point. Is your sponsor, you're improving their credibility. You're improving their brand as they align with you. Wonderful point about two-way. Sherry Meyer, I know you have something to say on this. Thoughts? Oh, this is all really very exciting. I was actually writing down some things as they were both talking. Um, I love the idea of sponsorship being a a pairing um, and picking someone that's inspirational to you. One of the things that I found successful, too, and maybe not in such a formal term as sponsorship, is to actually sit down with people that I've worked with on projects from time to time. And as we know, in the IT world, projects don't always go great. Customers aren't Mm. always thrilled. Um, But I've taken the opportunity to say, you know, could you have lunch with me or could you spend a half hour with me just telling me what your experiences were like with me? And this has nothing to do with my performance review. Mm. This is strictly me asking for feedback on how you perceive me and what I could do better or differently. Um, And I found that very useful and that sometimes develops into somebody who becomes an informal sponsor, right? Because now they know you better. They know that Okay, we all make mistakes if you've made a mistake with them, but you've reached out and you've tried to show that you want to improve. You've showed interest in them personally. And that creates that two-way street sometimes. That's one way of going about it, I think. Um, And I liked all the talk about, um, you know, the cloning and that's the easy way out. And really, when I was listening to what Megan was saying, I was thinking, well, mentoring is really an art, isn't it? And networking is an art, and it's something that I've tried to instill in my daughters, myself, too, um, to go out and network and not put such a heavy emphasis on the term networking, but to get mm-hmm. make connections, either through blogging, through attending conferences, and while you're there, reaching out and talking to people. And I know they found it very re- rewarding, too. Um, so I think that this whole idea of mentoring and sponsorship 
can actually be done in distance relationships and outside of your own organization and a little bit at a time by building a network um, through LinkedIn. For example, everybody I've met at a conference or on your show, I've connected with on LinkedIn. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I haven't met them in person, I've sometimes reached out to them to say, hey, what do you think about this? Good, good point, Sherry. I get, actually, after these shows, I often get invitations to connect with people on LinkedIn who listen to the show and, and like the format, and I'm sure they're reaching out to my guests as well. Thank you. Megan Sullivan, uh, just before the break, I mentioned some of the talking points you were going to cover, and uh, you say, I've seen and used three ways to move up and onwards. Now, we've already talked about help from a mentor. We've already talked about a sponsor who gives you the opportunities, but I'm very intrigued with the third, and that'll be a segue into something you I know you think is very controversial. We'll get to that in a minute. But you say join along with a quote-unquote old boys network that moves from company to company together. All are great strategies to employ and different pros and cons. So since we've discussed mentor and sponsor, what is that old boys network? What does it look like today? Is there a, a new girls network? I can't say old girls because I'll get I'll get booed off the <laughs> show for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people actually, are gonna say yeah. I love the term the stiletto network. I think that's a great um, yes, you know, that's a, a great way of, of kind of talking about how, how the women move. But I mean, I've seen it at various companies. I've been part of them, and I've also watched them. Are a group of people that really click and they have chemistry together. And they kind of create magic together at a company. And they're usually within the same organization, maybe a little bit parallel organizations. But they just have this chemistry, and they really work well together. They move the needle forward. They make each other look good. They have kind of extreme loyalty to each other. Typically, the manager is along with that. So when one person moves to the next company, all of a sudden the job offers start coming to pull all those people with them, and then they all kind of move to the next company together, and they do it again. They create that magic and chemistry again, and all the great things they put in place at one company, now they bring in leverage to the next company. So I've seen that happen. I've been a part of it. It's been great. Uh, you know, the pros, obviously, you, you know, a, a group of known people that you work really well together with, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the magic and the chemistry of, of knowing how people tick and exactly how to work with them, you know, getting a new job at a great company, those are all the pros. The cons and where you need to be careful with that is that when you go into a new company together with a group or get pulled in with a group, you need to be careful that you don't alienate, you know, all the new company and the people around mm-hmm. you. You know, you need to make sure that you kind of get in and integrate really well and not appear to be very clicky, certainly. But you also yep. need to make sure politically you align with the right stakeholders outside your group so that if for any reason that group doesn't work in the new company, mm-hmm. that you have new allegiances and new alliances to move on safely without getting pinned into kind of a clicky thing. So it's, 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 it's probably the more dangerous way to move companies in terms of kind of, uh, but if you're politically savvy, it's a really effective way to move up and forward and work with a group of people that you know you just have, you know, this great chemistry with. And it sounds like the bottom line you mentioned, Megan, is don't ever get too comfortable with the comfiness of that group because that group may not be a group always. One question for you. We hear a lot, we see a lot in movies and in stories and TV about women not getting along so well when power comes into the equation in a company. Uh, Women are competitive. They don't give each other good reviews when one's a leader and one's a subordinate. Has the Stiletto Network, has that erased that bad vibe that we we expect from women working with women? Can you be really honest with us about that? 
Yeah, I think it's gotten better. I mean, I've absolutely seen that, you know, that cattiness mm-hmm. and the cat claws and all that um, in the past. Yeah. I, I think that is somewhat past, though. I think we're very fortunate in this kind of new world where we have very brave women, um, you know, like Sheryl Sandberg and Marissa Mayer, you know, stepping forward and saying, enough is enough. You know, I'm leading, I'm yeah. moving forward, and it doesn't matter if I'm male or female, I'm just going for it. You know, like Marissa Mayer is a great example of that. And she has a great quote in, in lots of magazines where she says, I'm not a woman in business, I'm a geek in business. And so I'm moving forward and, you know, going for it. And I'm not worried about what the gender lines are between us because I'm just fabulous and that's who I am. You know, I love that about her. I love it. Wow. Sherry, thoughts on that quote and about uh, we're talking about old boys and still at our network and moving as a group from company to company, your, your experience? I really like that, um, that quote. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, I think that in technology companies, I, I've seen that be more successful where someone like Cheryl Sanders can come up and say, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to be a leader and that's okay. I think companies that have younger leadership on their boards and on their C, as CEO and things like that, things are easier there. In some other organizations where it's been still pretty much a good old boy network, that is harder. Um, I see women coming together and really helping out each other a lot, but there's still sometimes that perception that, um, you know, what you did or said as a female wasn't what should have been done or said, um, doesn't fit into the workplace. So I think there's still a lot to overcome, but I do see companies having organizations internally that, you know, bring women together and attempt to get them focused on helping each other, including men in those too. So I think it will change. Good. That's hopeful. Uh, Sarah Cook, thoughts on this? Sarah? Yeah. So on the moving as a group, I think my biggest call out is to make sure that you aren't missing the opportunity to learn from the companies that you move into, right? When you come as a cohesive group or very quickly follow each other as a cohesive group, there's a tendency to reapply what you've done successfully elsewhere. And in each organization that we go to, we have so much to learn as opposed to just bringing in our goodness. Um, so I, I think that's my biggest caution to be thinking about if you find yourself in that environment. Um, and, and then I want to build on this idea of the gossip um, or yes. the cattiness that, that tends to go on. Um, I just read recently in a book called The Happiness Hypothesis, which is a wonderful book about ancient wisdom in modern happiness. And they tie back this gossiping that humans do, and you know, they, they propose that uh, we're the only species that does this. We don't really know that, I don't think, but um, <laughs> that's the proposal. And they're really highlighting it as a sense of bonding. Um, so when we share a story about someone else or share a judgment about someone else, it, we're sharing an insight, and we're sharing insight that other people wouldn't know. And it's become more and more important they're saying as our networks have become larger because our direct relationship with individuals is less and our ability to communicate to collect firsthand observations of people is less because you can only be firsthand in person with so many people in a year or a week or a lifetime and so we do more we've evolved to do more gossiping or more sharing of storytelling in order to build relations and to better understand the people in our network so i think when you understand that that is a psychological drive it's easy to shift the behavior um, and notice it within your team that you're working with and call it out for what it is and say, hey, we're trying to build relationships here and better understand each other. Let's talk about this in a little more productive way. Um, and the other thing to call out around women being harder 
on mm-hmm. each other than men are. I think part of that is because women are looking for a different type of relationship. And, of course, we're generalizing here by gender at a very high yes, level. Um, but are. they're looking for a more personal relationship. And so that transactional relationship you often see between men that's very work-focused feels lacking. And our, yet our business world and our society is built around that. So our organization, Great Place to Work, works with the best companies to work for, of course, in um, the U.S. and in the world. And we find that those organizations that have the kind of commitment from their employees that, to bring their full self to work don't have as much of a gap in that space. Okay, good. I, I want to bring in a, a quick case study, uh, just very anonymously brought to my attention. When a woman ascends to or brought in as a leader in a big company and she knows to build her team, she wants people she used to work with at other companies, women who have proven themselves and will make, in her opinion, a good transfer over to this new work environment. Those women come in, but the leader, the manager who hired them, already has in mind their career path. That's why she brought them in. What does that do to, is that instant mentoring? Sherry, let's start with you. And I want to just do this quickly because I have a very important controversial topic to talk to Megan Sullivan about in a minute. And Megan, you know where we're going with this. But is this, is this mentoring? Is it sponsorship or is it, I'm going to just come right out and use the word, is it nepotism and it's most blatant and going to make everybody say, oh no, look who she just hired. They're tight together. Damn, there go my chances of being promoted. Sherry, observations, thoughts? Well, you know, I, I was sort of smiling to myself when you said that because I think that's been going on for years with men. I, I mean, that's how you had to know someone to get into positions of yes. authority. There was a relationship built, right? Good. So yes. the fact that it might now be going on with women is no different <laughs> to me. I, I would caution either men or women to not be so set on bringing forward their same people that they've always worked with because it doesn't encourage new realms of thinking or change. And, it, you know, it doesn't mean that the formula you used before is absolutely the right formula going forward. So I, I don't know. To me, it's, it's almost borderline nepotism, actually. So I wasn't wrong in using that word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sarah Cook, quick thought on that? Yeah, I, I agree that I think this is a pattern that we've seen before, and the best leaders are really looking at the situation. You may bring someone in because they're the perfect middle manager. That is their sweet spot. That's what they're going to do great. So it, it, I think we have to caution the outsiders to um, to not make too many assumptions and, and to just be transparent and ask the questions. Does this mean that you see this person becoming the CIO or the CFO or whatever role mm-hmm. it is? Um, and ask those questions and be brave in that sense. And if we're not confident to do it on our own, go talk to our mentor or our sponsor in the organization and say, is there a way for me to raise these topics that will be safe and comfortable? Okay, safe and comfortable. That's kind of the key here. Megan Sullivan, let's do it. Megan said to me in her notes, this might be controversial, but she wants to talk about it. She says, the longer I've been involved in mentoring women in the lean-in groups, the more I realize there are a lot of similar issues that working dads struggle with as well, similar to women. I'll let you talk. Megan Sullivan, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I have, um, I've worked with a lot of men that have children at home, and, you know, some of their wives stay at home, and some of them work, and what I found is that a lot of the issues that we talk about as women, you know, I really want to be at the kids' soccer game. I really want to volunteer at school. I feel guilty that I'm not, you know, cooking dinner every night, you know, whatever the case may be. When you really get open and vulnerable with men and working dads specifically, they have those exact same thoughts and those exact same issues, and they want to be at that soccer game and volunteering and being home also. 
but I think just kind of gender rules and kind of the way our society is built is that they don't make those decisions and they wouldn't say that, you know, externally and, and be that person because they would be judged for that. Where I think, and I know it's controversial, but I think, you know, when we as mothers sneak out of work to go do that or, or take some time off to go to the soccer game or whatever, it, you know, we get less judgment on us than when a man does it. And so I think, you know, as we go forward with this, you know, this lean in and, and kind of really empowering women, I think there's a service that we could do to men also and these dads that want to be a part of those family lives. And really at the end of the day, you know, if we give dads more empowerment to go do that, it will allow us women to go work a little longer and, you know, aspire to our goals as well. And I have seen, you know, it's very rare, but there are, you know, dads that stay home and allow the women to go out and work and be successful. It's a very, mm -hmm. you know, very much of a reverse role. But I do see them struggle with the exact same issues we do. I just don't think they make those choices blatantly because they get, you know, more penalized than a woman would for it. Interesting. Uh, that's interesting, Megan. This is Sherry. I yeah. have experienced the opposite here at Air Products. I've see, I have many male counterparts who leave early for the soccer game, and I, maybe it's about them taking the opportunity to be treated the same as women with regard to that. And I think that is an important balance that workplaces have to establish. So I like seeing that. I like seeing the men that make it as important to, to them as to the women. Sarah Cook, thoughts? Yeah, I, and I just want to add that it's not only the people who have families that are concerned about these issues, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Great point. That's so, so true. You may have a hobby. You may mentor children. You may take care mm -hmm. of your nieces and nephews. It could be anything. We all are seeking a better balance. And a study that came out just this week from um, the uh, Center for the New American Dream says that 78% of Americans say the American Dream is having personal freedom, only 23% say it's achieving affluence. To me, that's a shift that's occurred. Um, and having enough free time is, is at 67%. So we're seeing a big transition in where people are valuing, and I think that's changing the mentoring conversations today. Sarah, what was that percent again for personal freedom? Personal freedom, 78% say that's wow. the definition of the American dream. Those are great. Wow. Yeah, very interesting because I, I was shocked that affluence was so low on the totem pole there. Interesting. We have about two minutes till we take a break. You know, if we're going to take a break and let my panel refresh themselves before we come back with the crystal ball predictions round. But Megan Sullivan, I have one more quick topic to bring up and I'll have you lead on this and we'll just everybody just a couple of notes on it. You say put together a group of similar women and maybe even mix in men, woohoo, in the industry in similar roles or industries and create your own network. How do we do that? Who should be this, the starter? Who's the starter dough for yeah, that network? Well, you know what I find is so many people like, God, I just wish I had someone to talk to or a group of people that I mm -hmm. could go out with and, and talk about issues without having that political worry. And I think it's, it's so much up to us to go create that. So as you meet really great men or women, whether at your company or in industry or somewhere else, why not invite them all or put an invitation out? You know, everyone, as an example, come over to SAP, you know, bring a bag of lunch. We'll sit in a conference room for an hour and a half. You can bring a bottle of wine. We'll do it at 6 o'clock somewhere. Or, you know, but mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really important that you pull together your own networks and put these groups together on your own um, because nobody's going to do it for you, and it's very difficult to go tap into existing networks and get exactly, you know, the group and the type of people that you want to be with. And so I think so, we can create our own stiletto networks or mixed environments or, or whatever. I like that. But is, is a caution, Megan, is a caution not to invite your boss? 
I wouldn't invite my boss. No, I think it's, you know, I wouldn't even invite people that I work directly with in some cases. I think it's it's important to kind of, networking is about getting out there and meeting new people and learning new things. So I would go outside, outside your existing organization for sure. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say. Sherry Meyer, quick thought on that before we go to break. I'll give you 30 seconds. Go. Oh, I, I absolutely love those ideas that Megan's putting forward. I think that I've built numerous networks outside of my own company. Um, I've not been so good probably at building them in my home neighborhood, and I think I need to do that more. But outside and within my own company, I've definitely built my own informal networks um, just by continuing to talk to people and connect with them and saying, hey, you want to go for a cup of coffee? And it is very valuable. Okay, Sarah, Sarah Cook, I'll give you 30 seconds, fair play here, and then we're going to go to break. Talk to me. Thank you. And I'm doing this myself right now. Um, I started with a core group of women. We know each other and have similar backgrounds um, but are in different industries, and we are each each inviting other people to join the group, and that way it will expand out from us to people we don't know. I love it. Good. Ladies, you have earned yourself a break. This was a marvelously, I knew this would be a high energy, very interesting, fast moving show, and you have proven me right. So I'm going to give Sherry Meyer, Sarah Cook, and Megan Sullivan about 90 seconds to take a deep breath before we come back with the crystal ball round when we're going to find out what you think. Let's go all the way six years ahead to 2020 because hindsight is that. And let's find out what will change in the world of mentoring, sponsorship, network, stiletto, or otherwise by 2020. So we'll be right back after a quick break. Don't even think of touching. Oh, you know the drill. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Here we are. We've got seven minutes left till the end of the show. I think we can do it. I've got a great network of panelists here today. Sherry Meyer, Sarah Cook, Megan Sullivan, wonderful thinkers. They're thinking on their feet and sharing great information. I feel like I'm being mentored here on the show. This is very exciting. (laughs) Sherry, let's go to 2020. I can't even say it like Baba Wawa does. Uh, 2020, let's go there and let's see what do you think will be different about mentoring, sponsorship, networks. You pick it. I'm going to give you a minute and a half. Go. Well, I think in 2020 and even today, I'd like to see us talking more about collaboration. Maybe that's an overused term today, but implying a more equitable distribution of power and knowledge sharing. Uh, Maybe pairings, like a fine wine with the right cheese or meat. Um, I think the importance of relationships and having those relationships will be even more critical. I think in a global economy, that's what has made collaboration so important. It's not about who I see face-to-face every day anymore. It's not about um, who is in my hierarchy. It's really about who's across, over, under. Um, And I think that, you know, we'll continue to have more and more relationships that cross over boundaries, both geographic and hierarchical. So pairings maybe for the future. Oh, I like that. And collaboration. I don't know if we even mentioned that word during the show. So thank you for those both. And let's turn to Sarah Cook at Great Place to Work. Sarah, observations. If you look back over your shoulder in 2020, what will have changed in our conversation from today? Well, I agree with what Sherry just said around distance. So I, I, for example, have just recently reached out to an organization in Singapore because I really admired how they were showing up in the world and reached out to someone there and created a a pairing or a mentoring relationship where we coach and advise each other. I've never met this individual, but we see each other on video, and, and it's fabulous, and we're building a great relationship. So that will continue, just like Sherry said, I agree. Um, the other thing I think will continue to grow and may even eclipse some of the tactical mentoring conversations particularly in the more developed worlds, is around happiness. So that's already mm-hmm. changing the conversation to values-focused, to people who are trying to find careers where they become you know, self-actualized in addition to doing great work and being compensated for it. If you look just back the last couple of years, you've got uh, happiness advantage, delivering happiness about Zappos, four-hour work mm-hmm. week, happiness hypothesis. You've got you know, finding flow. You have all this literature developing that's become incredibly popular, and it's changing the conversation in our work environments and changing the conversation in our lives and what we aspire to be, as we saw from the poll numbers that, that I mentioned earlier. And, and I think by 2020, we're going to be much better at living that, and it's going to reach out further across the, across the globe into other countries as well. Thank you very much. And Megan Sullivan, thoughts on the future? Yeah, I love both these both the inputs here. I think, you know, as we go out to 2015, what I'm hoping is that this men and women conversation goes away, and it's just really more about... You know, how are we mindful at work? How, how do we have that happiness factor? And how do we have the, you know, as to your points, the collaboration and balance between work and home life? I think you, with the statistics that were shown earlier, very interesting. Affluency is not as important anymore as just having balance and having my work and my personal life all be in yin and yang with each other. I think that will also happen with our mentoring and our sponsorships where you don't just get mentoring and sponsoring directly from a work environment, but you also blend it into your personal life and everything kind of comes together. And, you know, again, I'm really hoping this men-women thing goes away and that women kind of find their seat at the table. We find our strength. We lean in. And, and, you know, to your point that the movie lead roles change, and we see a lot of fabulous women in, in movies as well. 
Very good. Thank you all. I have a quick note here. We actually had Jen Lim on our show in June, June 3rd, just a couple weeks ago. And if you're not familiar with her name, she's the CEO and Chief Happiness Officer of Delivering Happiness. Mm -hmm. She works with Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, and she co-founded this happiness organization, helped him with promoting the book, etc. So uh, Jen Lim was on and we talked about happiness. It's a great topic. I have a quick bonus question. We've got three three minutes left and I want to use them up. You know, it's like real estate locate. No, no, I got that one wrong. I don't want to lose our, our extra three minutes on the air because this is too good. Reverse mentoring. I don't know if we formally touched on that. So I'm going to give you each about 20 seconds. Reverse mentoring. Does it work? Who should be doing it? And where do millennials come in? I know that's a lot for 30 seconds. Sherry Meyer, talk to me. Reverse mentoring, mentorship, go. Oh, wow. That is a lot for 20 seconds. Um, okay. So I'm really hot on talking to the millennials and talking to the new people in the organization and getting their thoughts. So I think um, they teach me as much as I learn from anybody else. And I think it's important that we reach out to them, if not necessarily in a formal mentoring relationship. I've offered that to people, but I find I get more out of informal relationships with them where mm-hmm. I'll go to them and ask them for their input and advice. And likewise, they feel more comfortable coming back to me then and asking me for my input or advice. And it basically establishes that pairing, that collaboration. Thank you, Sarah Cook. I'll give you your 30 seconds of fame on, on millennials and reverse mentorship. Thoughts? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important, particularly with our longer-term companies that have been here for 50 or 60 or more years and have large contingencies in the um, uh, the older generations that are looking to retire, but they need to retain that knowledge. So that reverse mentoring keeps those folks engaged longer as they're moving into part-time roles or flex work and things like that, keeps the young people understanding the value and gaining the information that's in-house and keeping it in-house. Uh, what I'm seeing being really effective is having executives paired with new hires. Uh, we're seeing ah. that in more and more of our best companies, and it's a really important step. And around technology, you can't go wrong with it. It's just a really easy add to help your executives become early adopters and evolve. Um, you know, a lot of those folks, you know, not to stereotype in a negative way, but a lot of those folks are really challenged to move away from a handset as their primary opportunity at their desk to talk to people. And, um, you know, the world's evolving. We're using, um, you know, software for the computer so you can take those calls anywhere in addition to your cell phone and, and you know, instant message and all that. And, and Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks. We're out of time. I will, Megan Sullivan, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Reverse mentoring, yes or no? I love interns. We hire Good. interns, and I learn <laughs> okay. more from them than anyone. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Sherry and Meyer, Sarah Cook, Megan Sullivan. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you. Shout-outs to Kate Sakey, who's been trying to tweet and listen and do everything. Malcolm Kimberlin as well, Brad, and the Business Channel team. Next week, we'll be back with Coffee Break with Game Changers. And next Tuesday, July 15th, we are bringing back Season 3 of one of our favorite series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. You don't want to miss that one. And big surprise coming the second week of September, I'm bringing five new series on the air for Game Changers Radio. You won't believe what we're going to be talking about. I'll tell you more about it next week. Here's my shout out. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer and create a network of your own today. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. 
Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back. 